If you're on Google and you're searching for terms around artificial intelligence in retail, it's going to be hard to avoid our website. You're going to find Emerge or Tech Emergence a dozen times if you type in different permutations of retail robotics or retail machine vision or retail applications altogether. And for that reason, we've also seen a decent amount of kind of sponsored work and work from some of the vendor companies that have that have done kind of lead gen projects with us in retail as well. More and more of that has come in in the last nine months, and I suspect in the next year we'll see even more of it. It used to be just kind of finance and healthcare, but retail continues to swell. And I think it's because a lot more fun retail capabilities are opening up in terms of the possibility space of, of AI in that sector. Uh, we speak this week with Anish Reddy, who's the co-founder and CEO of Capillary Technologies. Uh, Capillary is a rather large firm based in Singapore, technically. Anish is in Bangalore himself. And the firm focuses on machine vision applications in the retail environment. Essentially, how do we instrument a retail space so that with cameras, we can pick up on the same kind of metrics, roughly, that maybe e-commerce stores can. So retail stores, as Anish talks about in this episode, really have to focus on the data that they get from the checkout counter, what kind of purchases were made, and potentially some kind of data about how many times the front door was opened or closed. But that doesn't really lay out that much detail about who came in and what percent of them converted and what the, the average cart value was for different people, whether it's men and women, whether it's people of different ages. A lot of that is completely grayed out when we look at the numbers that are accessible to brick and mortar retailers. But some of that is changing. And so Anish talks a bit about what's possible now with machine vision in retail and sort of what it opens up in terms of possibility spaces for understanding customers better in a physical environment. And more importantly, Anish paints a bit of a future vision of where he believes retail is going to be when not just computer vision is included, but when audio is included and when other kinds of sensor information are layered on, when a deeper and deeper amount of kind of analytics are added to the customer, that the emphasis might shift from inventory and stocking the shelves to really satisfying different customer types that walk through the door. And that dynamic, I think, is one that's worth considering for folks in the retail space. So if you haven't seen our deeper coverage in this space, I'd, I'd highly recommend checking out our article on kind of 10 AI application areas in retail. If you just Google artificial intelligence in retail, you're, you're bound to find it. We've got plenty of interesting stuff to explore in that space, but I think this interview should hopefully open up some eyes to the machine vision side of the equation, which is certainly a fun one. So without further ado, I'm Dan Fagella, and this is AI and Industry, and you're listening to Anish with Capillary Technologies. So Anish, I wanted to get started with this this whole concept of sort of instrumenting the physical world. I think a lot of physical retailers, we've got a lot of folks from Best Buy and The Gap who are going to probably be tuned in and listening to this, are wondering how AI can be applied in this very tough to grasp physical space. But I know this is exactly what your company's working on. I think people will be interested to start off with how right now is metrics, analytics, tracking moving into the complicated physical world? Right. Thanks, Dan. So, you know, we started off on this journey about uh, a year ago, you know, and what we were trying to do was uh, we do a run of, uh, we do run a bunch of uh, e-commerce sites on our platform for a Pizza Hut, for a Walmart and others. And the kind of data that they have on the online side, you know, every click is tracked, every, every product search is tracked, which products are not uh, available is tracked. There's just so much info there. And we thought if the offline retailer could get some of this uh, info, they would just run their business a lot better. So, you know, today our average customer spends about 10 to 15 minutes in an offline store. 
And all that the retailer has is one small digital transaction at the end of it. Yep. None of those interactions are captured or, you know, which happens in an online store very well, right? So every click, the click stream and all that stuff is a full story is all available. So what we've done is we've tried to apply speech and vision, you know, basically put in a bunch of cameras and put in a bunch of mics into an offline store. And uh, let me cover what's possible, what's already possible and what's live and what we're selling in and is live with about a thousand stores now. So what, we, what we've been able to do is uh, get to an extremely accurate number on what the conversion on the offline store is, which is, you know, get to a very accurate number on how many people walked in, removing the store stuff and removing, you know, the other people who come in to do services in the store and stuff like that, and give the retailer a very clear number of, uh, you know, almost a 97, 98% accurate number of what's the actual conversion rate for the store. Yep. You know, and uh, and you can track this by the R. So we use uh, we use image processing uh, to do this. You know, it's a camera at the entrance facing down and counting the number of heads that walk in. And then it eliminates the number of store staff and, um, you know, basis the uniform or address or something like that. So basically takes care of the uh, getting you to almost 97, 98% uh, accuracy there. What we've also been able to do now is have uh, the camera look at you and, you know, and this is all non-PII, so we don't capture any personally identifiable information. Okay. Uh, what it does is it also does a quick grasp on what your demographics are. So it would also give you a view of saying folks who are between 20 to 30 and walked in wearing jeans are converting at 70%, while folks who are between 40 and 50 and have walked in wearing formals are converting at, uh, you know, let's say 7%. You know, so what it gives you as a retailer is a very good idea that in which stores is what kind of audience uh, converting. It's kind of solving the, in the online world, convergence is a big deal, right? In the offline world, uh, unfortunately, that data is not available for uh, the retailer, right? So, yep, yep. so this piece is what we've been able to solve very well. And I think use cases to this are, you know, when you run a, a, a massive marketing campaign, you know, we could very clearly say is, did you target the right kind of audience basis? what kind of footfalls, what kind of demographics of footfalls went up, right? What we would also give the retailer a very good idea of is what are the in colors right now or what are the in thing in terms of fashion that uh, customers are wearing when they're walking into your stores, which is, again, uh, you know, through this demographic and uh, the visual profile that we're able to generate through the, uh, through the piece. These two things are already live. We're live with almost about 1,000 stores, by more than 1,000 stores now across India, Indonesia, Middle East, where we're seeing almost a 97, 98% accuracy of some of these numbers. Yeah. So some of this, I imagine some of these are harder and easier than others in each. So we'll get into it. And, um, you know, something like number of humans in a store, yep, uh, you may very well be able to get yourself a system that's already pretty well trained to pick up on humans walking through doors. It may be possible. Harder, harder is, you know, preference for color based on demographic. That that stuff gets really challenging because I can imagine the different stores that you folks are working with are selling different items. For some people, they want to care about, you know, what brands of watches or, you know, what brands of jeans or whatever they make their margin on. You obviously can't train an AI system to, let's say, at, at least in one go, to detect every preference and every finger point and every question ask or, or whatever the case may be. When it comes to, you know, visually understanding preference for products, that seems like the real catch. I mean, how far, I guess, in development is that part? You know, oh, people really like the blue 
uh, for example. We can see that from the checkout, sure, but from machine vision, how is that informing things along those lines or, or maybe how do we want it to in the future? Right, so what we do is, uh, you know, we have a, a camera placed centrally on the roof of a store. And uh, what we're able to do is, you know, basically say this customer walked into uh, these aisles and, you know, think of a fashion store like a Gap or, a, you know, a, a US Polo or any of those, right? Yep. So let's say a customer walked into one of those aisles and he picked up uh, a blue shirt. So we can get to that level of detail. You definitely can't get to the level of detail of saying this was the specific SKU that the individual picked up. And also what we're doing is uh, we're not tagging it to an individual. So it's not personally identifiable. Yep. And hence, even the aggregate data of, uh, you know, saying 20 to 25 year olds wearing jeans are actually picking these kind of products is reasonably good information, which the retailer can act on. Right. So yep. Uh, yep. we're trying to get it to that level of that level of accuracy. You're right about that. And, and our first cut is largely on, you know, colors and and categories. When yeah, I mean categories, yeah. it's more like broadly jeans, shirts, jackets, you know, tops. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Dresses. It, it's broadly those. It will need a lot more. And, you know, some of these models have been, we've had to build them up, grounds up. Oh, of course. You yeah, know, it's so, very uh, challenging. Very challenging. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. so I think as we, you know, over the years, probably we can get to more levels of granularity on saying what was the strap color of the watch or stuff like that. But today we're trying to keep it at more high-level categories. Yeah, well, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, you want to start where the biggest bang would be. I think a lot of the audience in niche probably isn't aware of just how much data you'd have to collect about very specific things in order to get a machine to reliably identify them, you know, just for everybody listening in. I mean, if you want to detect, you know, theft down a grocery store aisle, there's a million ways that people can tuck a bottle of soda under their jacket or put something in their pocket or and to be able to train systems to reliably pick up on that without a human labeling it is is quite challenging. And so similarly, knowing that someone picked up a jacket and then put it back down, even that information by itself is really not not necessarily simple. So it sounds like you guys are focusing on you know, big items that are identifiable that you have you know a lot of maybe volume to work with where you can get a lot of manual labeling. Um, and then kind of build maybe to a deeper level of granularity over time. It sounds like that's going to be the the, the grind here. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, the annotation required for building these kind of data sets is, is obviously expensive and is manually intensive. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. for, for the audience who has seen uh, advertisements through our email newsletter for the various and sundry crowdsourcing folks that have been getting in front of the audience, uh, that's why, uh, because there's, you know, companies like Anisha's that, have so much doggone data uh, and somebody's got to label it. So yeah, that's that's a major challenge. And I know there's a lot more in the pipeline for you folks. And there's other ways that this instrumenting idea is kind of going to come about moving forward. Maybe what are some more additional near-term things that are kind of in development? We talked a bit about what's working now. You talked a bit with me off this recording about kind of the use of microphones and even audio. Maybe take us a little bit down that road about how that might be used in an anonymized way to help instrument the physical world. Right. So, you know, the, the vision piece is kind of solved is, is right there already. And, and you know, we've started working on, uh, on speech. You know, uh, again, if you look at an online store, Let's say you're running a, you know, an apparel store and uh, you can very easily track saying how many people search for a black shirt and we couldn't fulfill it. Right. So in the offline store, getting that kind of data is is extremely hard. You know, so what you're trying to do is put a couple of, you know, for every thousand square feet or so, put in a, a mic uh, into an offline store 
and digitize those interactions that are happening in between the customer and the store staff. You know, so let's say a customer walked up to a store staff and asked for a black shirt. How many times did people ask for a black shirt? How many times did the customer say, are there offers in the store? How many times did the customer say, the size doesn't fit me? So some of those interactions is what we want to, again, in a non, uh, non-personally non identifiable manner. So this is, again, more aggregate uh, data, which the retailer can uh, kind of work on. So this one is a much more complex problem than the vision one, you know, because there's a lot of crosstalk if you have multiple customers in the store or if you have multiple store staff in the store. And uh, that's a problem that, you know, is currently in our labs. And I must say, uh, we will take probably another three months to fully solve it. The other problem that happens is, unlike in the US, if you look at in India or any of the Asian markets, there's also multiple languages at play. Right? Oh, yeah. So uh, some customers speak English, some customers speak Hindi, some speak Kannada. You know, so it, it's just uh, it, it just takes the level of complexity up that many more times, right? So yeah, um, and use cases that we've been able to figure have been things like saying which product should you uh, are customers not finding in which sets of stores? You know, things like you also have a very high uh, attrition in retail store staff, which typically temp workers, students, and things like that. And as retailers, you typically have a very strong standard operating procedure in which you want the staff to engage with the customer. You know, when the customer walks in, you want them to uh, be greeted, ask them which products do they want, help them around with sizes. There's a very set SOP which different uh, brands make for themselves. Unfortunately, you know, in all the mystery shopping stuff that we've seen, less than 20% or 25% of the times does the SOP get followed. And that's because, you know, there's so much customer, there's so much uh, staff churn, and you don't know which uh, staff is to be trained, which staff is not to be trained. Again, with this speech type stuff, you would be able to identify that, look, these two folks need to be trained. And it's almost like a personal trainer for them. Right? saying, look, great, you did well today. Uh, these were the two things you could do better tomorrow. Right. So, yeah. Um, so some of those use cases is what we're trying to address with the whole uh, speech thing. No, which is in the more near time, uh, in the more three months to three months kind of a time frame. Beyond that, you know, I think where we really think, uh, it, like we we run a, as I said, we run a bunch of these e-commerce sites for Pizza Hut and and others. And what we realized is, you know, if you're able to personalize the experience on the e-commerce site, uh, your your conversions go up a good 20, 25 percent. No doubt about it. You know your you know, and unfortunately, in the offline world, it's just impossible to personalize. You know these these mm, these uh, interactions. Yeah. Yep. So in the in the near term, you know, in the six month time time frame, what we want to try and do is uh, have a small Bluetooth headset for the store staff, where we you know quickly look at you know who's walked into the store and say you know these are the three products that you should pitch to that customer. Huh. You know, so it's kind of yeah. taking personalization in the offline store. And, and the engine on the back runs on AI. It's a collaborative filtering model where we say people walking in looking like this and wearing this kind of stuff typically tend to buy this kind of products. Yep. Uh, so we just, you know, pass that info very quickly to the store staff and they can, they can act on it better and hopefully give a better experience to the customer and hence lead to better conversions in the store. So that's that's broadly the near term for you. Yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. So well, very very ambitious in the near term, and bless your heart in the next in the next three months, my good sir. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to see how much of that we can breathe life into because there's a lot to do there. Uh, but it's certainly promising, and I think 
a lot of retailers are struggling with these concerns. You brought up something that actually I don't think we've ever addressed on the show, which is the productivity of offline retail staff. You'd mentioned it might be possible to know who might need training. Is part of the vision here to some degree that we might be able to get some metric for the number of engagements different staff had with what kinds of people of what kind of demographics and what kind of close rates and cart values we might have had for those kind of people to be able to get an understanding of staff performance and maybe even you know incentives and bonuses and things along those lines are these are these potential future visions or is the combining of vision and audio does it break some privacy stuff in some places where where do you folks see it going i guess i thought that was a very interesting uh, point you brought up Bingo. You know, I think if you, if you actually look at uh, offline store stuff, unfortunately, most retailers don't invest in enough training because they know it's a temp stuff and it'll keep rotating. And hence, uh, solving that problem through a lot of continuous feedback, I think, is the right way to go. Right. So and hence, it, it will start with some of these metrics of saying, you know, you interacted with 25 customers today. How many did you greet? Yeah. And how many did you just follow the SOP? Right. Because, you know, if if you tend to follow the SOP, chances are. Uh, you know, your conversions would be a lot better than if you were doing something random. Yeah. Right. So, so it would it would definitely start with that. Uh, yeah, you know, wow. we want to do a lot of this stuff. Where I don't know if we would want to go all the way and link it to bonuses and all that stuff. I don't think we'll go that far. I think today we're looking at it more as a personal trainer for the store staff, more than as a you know as a as a incentive measurement thing. You know, yeah, so that's not yeah, really yeah. the intent right now. Yeah. The second piece is, you know, uh, for the store staff side, you know, it would be very easy to get opt-ins from the store staff. You know, so unlike a consumer where, you know, someone is coming in, getting them to sign up for opt-ins would be harder. On the store staff side, you know, it's it's because it's more as a personal trainer for them. It would be easier to get opt-ins. So that should hopefully take care of privacy concerns with regard to the store staff training pieces. In terms of the consumer, I don't think we are ever going to do anything which is personally identifiable it's going to be very broad demographics it's going to be very broad recommendations yeah but it's never going to get to the point of saying hey this is dan you know and hence like so yeah 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 well there are you know curiously enough i know that there are applications being developed in that sense of course what you need there is you need that approval and you need that okay right and i think that in the future there will be some people who say hey you know whenever my cell phone enters your front door I definitely want somebody to tell me about the things that I'm going to care about. I definitely want people to tell me about these kind of deals and these kind of items. You know, th- there may be some people, but yeah, for the broad sweep, it sounds like you guys are focusing more on really maximizing what we can do in any store, which is by kind of making things more anonymous from what you're saying. Yep. yep. Cool. So last little quick touch point here, Anish. Uh, I think this is a neat bit of a vision of the future, and I, I want to maybe close us out with getting a bit more of one. You know, there, again, there's folks tuned in now that are at midsize brick and mortar retail stores. There's there's folks at much larger ones who are kind of wondering what's the future we're headed into. You know, there's all these technologies we're talking about. When you kind of try to nutshell the dynamic of how physical retail is going to change, you know, what what executives maybe will need to understand and and how how the the core dynamics are going to shift. How do you like to nutshell that? I'd like to kind of come to a point that'll give people something great to chew on here. Right. You know, if you look at most uh, retailers, especially the large, big ones, their backgrounds, it eventually is actually traders setting up shops and selling products, right? So the the focus on merchandising and put the right product in the store 
has just been so high for so many years that you know until e-commerce came in i think the importance of the customer was never felt in offline retail right so and and unfortunately i still do see that behavior a lot with uh, a lot of the uh, very senior management where they still believe that stocking the store right is more important than customer experience or personalization and some of that in the offline uh, stores i really think you know as a consumer you will eventually gravitate to whoever gives you the best experience yeah right? so uh, and we have a small lines business in china and i must say china is definitely leading from the front on you know new retail or the way retail is changing uh, you know and it's going to be a lot about personalization it's going to be about that treating treating that individual customer as an individual and not as you know uh, so i do see that happening a lot I, i i think more and more you will start seeing like we see in uh, china a little bit now that every customer's journey you know very good recommendations on products uh, a lot of power back to the customer in terms of they themselves you know being able to search for products in the store on a console i, I think a lot of that is where sending and we 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 kind of see that very well on the e-commerce side today you know if you have a personalized site you know your conversions your loyalty your stickiness you know all that is like probably 30 40% more than someone who's just doing this you know put inventory on an online site and it will sell right so yeah, uh, yeah. I, i think that same trend is definitely definitely going to happen in the uh, in the offline world and i think what's what's nicely happening now is you know thanks to ai uh, you know and thanks to some of the stuff the cost of running this in an offline store will is crashing you know like you earlier needed uh, extremely expensive uh, cameras and stuff to do like good counting and things like that you know yep. today you could do it pretty much on a raspberry pi yeah right? yeah so, the, the yep the the computational load and what kind of hardware you need plus i mean you know that that sensors are getting so much better i mean i don't know what kind of cameras you would have used back in you know 2008 or whenever you guys got founded but it's it's definitely nowhere close to as efficient as sharp and everything else is probably what you have today so you got a lot of factors going for you um so it sounds like your general gist here tell me if i'm summing this up right anish because i want to have the right takeaways as we end this interview is that the focus on you know okay we know what we can stock we know where we stock it we know what price we list it at having that be the kind of bedrock of of physical retail is going to shift to new things around the customer because we're finally going to have those numbers. What are the age groups that are closing? What are the age groups that are coming in? What different times of day have different kinds of people? What different setups of, you know, the front of the store are getting what kinds of engagement and which of those are actually moving to the checkout counter and which staff members are maybe being more productive. That once that stuff is in front of us, we're going to be able to shift from the stodgy things that we plan a quarter in advance and we know for sure in a spreadsheet somewhere into a more living data of what's happening with the customer in the store is that a, is that a good way to nutshell things absolutely and just to summarize that in one line i think in 10 years offline stores will run the same way as e-commerce sites do well i very metrics led very yeah. very live data led you know things keep changing very fast you know i i i think that's how it's going to head I I hope so and you know you'd mentioned China leading the way China's leading the way in uh cameras for non-anonymous people detection uh as well but it wouldn't surprise <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they were doing the same in in retail but yeah Asia is an exciting market and worth tuning into so that's it Anish that's that's all we had for time uh glad we were able to have you on and thanks so much for sharing your insights here with us on AI and in industry I appreciate it thanks Dan take care 
that's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.